Running a business is already tough, and if you do it on your own, it's going to be even more difficult. That's why you must have a team around you. But now, how do you build a team? In particular, a team that is flexible and grows with you and your business. And how do you build a team if you have a limited budget? These are the answers that we are going to, the, the questions that we are going to answer today on Explode Your Experts Business Show. Welcome to episode 245. I'm excited for you to be here. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in their world. And today we are talking about scaling your business with remote talent with my good friend and Nathan Hirsch. Now, before uh, we get started and I tell you a bit more about what we are covering, I'm really excited because I want to share something with you. Because if you want to become an authority in your field, you need a roadmap. And uh, there are a lot of confusing information out there. I've been through hundreds of training plus my own personal experience, and I haven't found something which actually tells you what to do at each stage of your business. And that's what we have created. It's called the Expert Business Checklist. You see it, first year is an absolute reveal, so make sure that you download it. The link is here in the show notes, or otherwise you can get it at gtex.events forward slash expert hyphen checklist. So gtex dot events forward slash expert hyphen checklist but again as i said the link is in the show notes so you can just scroll down make sure you download it is going to change the way you run your business more than 500 of our clients are already raving about it and you will be raving too so get your checklist right now now, back to the interview. Today, I have the pleasure to interview, as I said, my good friend Nathan Hirsch. Nathan is a 30-year-old and 10-year-old. He's 30-year-old and he's an entrepreneur for 10-year-old and is an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room and has sold over 30 million, 30 million online. He's now the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted virtual assistants, freelancers, and agency in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. He regularly appears on leading podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire and speaks at live events about online hiring tactics. And in this episode, this is a must listen for you, we talk about mistakes to avoid when hiring remote, and I share some of my horror stories as well, <laughs> uh, how to make a good hiring process. You know, I mean, last year we went even like from 4 to 15 employees and for team, team members in GTEx, and uh, uh, we've learned a lot. I wish I had a good hiring process at the beginning. Uh, and that's why the importance of a good hiring process in the beginning and how to make one and how to handle issues that come up when outsourcing. So these are the topics and much, much more, of course, in the interview. Um, so you can read the interview transcript and get the bonus resources at gtex.org.uk forward slash 245. And then you can find all the social media links to connect with Nathan if you wish to work with him, which I highly recommend. I love freeup.com. So, uh, two more things before we get started. If you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business, join our private Facebook group, which is Explode Your Expert Business. You can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz. I'm running soon a training on launching product at lightning speed. 
made more than a million pound using this using this system and uh, i want to reveal this to you so that's one of the bonus training that you get once you join the facebook group and then again uh, don't forget to download your expert business checklist now it's time to get started with the interview get ready set go episode 245 scaling your business with remote talent with nathan hirsch enjoy Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. I'm here with uh, my good friend, Nathan Hirsch. How are you doing, Nathan? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I am incredibly well. Uh, it's great that we connect here. Uh, we met first uh, in the island of Baby Butwater um, and uh, having some crazy parties, uh, learning some great business stuff. And uh, now we are here. So, uh, today we are talking about uh, growing your business with the remote working is a, a topic that I'm really passionate about I'm really fascinated about and uh, is one of the things that uh, we can do to grow and scale our business without having permanent stuff so mm, this is a very very hot relevant topic right now so before we get started tell, tell, tell us a bit more about you and uh, what, what got you here to this point yeah. So, I mean, growing up, my parents were both teachers and I always had the mentality that I was going to go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years, retire. And that was going to be my life. And I mean, my parents made me get a job at a very young age. I was 15, right. 16, whatever the, the minimum legal age was. And, and I had some internships and I was working 40, 50 hours a week every summer working at Firestone Corporations at Aaron's, which is kind of like a rent a center. And I learned a ton about sales, about managing people, about customer service, but I also learned that I hated working for other people. I was mm -hmm. watching the clock every day. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And so when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock. I had four years to create my own business or I was going to go into the real world and, and never get out. So I started hustling when I got to college. I, I took that summer money. I started buying and selling people's textbooks. Yeah. And I was competing with my school bookstore, who was, in my opinion, ripping people off. And all of a sudden, I had lines out the door. I created a little referral program. People started talking about me across the school. And I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. No so, way! <laughs> so, like I said, my parents were both teachers. I didn't want to get kicked out of college. That wasn't a, a real option. So I pivoted a little bit. I, I mm -hmm. sold some books on Amazon. This was back in 2008. No one knew what Amazon was. And I, I started experimenting with other products, with sporting equipment and outdoor supplies and computers, like stuff I was familiar with. And yep. I just failed over and over and over. It wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry that my Amazon business took off. So if you can imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products, on Amazon. <laughs> that was me. And it was a crazy time. I mean, now you've got all these gurus and courses that Amazon was. So I was really figuring it out for myself. And yeah. I was making money for the first time. My parents said, you should probably pay taxes, right? So I met with an accountant. And the first thing he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, mm. why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. They're not so you do were doing everything on your own until that point. Like, you were, you exactly. were selling all these products. Uh, 
And, and uh, were you going to uni or uh, you didn't go to uni? It was like not for you at, at that point or were you going to uni at the same time? Same time. I was going to school and running this business at the same time. Jeez, man. <laughs> okay, keep going. So I'm like a junior at this point, sophomore, junior in college. Right. And I, so I meet with an accountant. He tells me I should hire people. I tell him like, no way, it's not for me. And he just laughs in my face. And he says, you're going to figure this lesson out on your own. Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around, the fourth quarter, when everyone gets busy um, buying products for, for the holidays, and I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day, my, my social life plummets, my grades go down, mm -hmm. and I, I'm not sleeping, and I work my butt off for eight weeks to get through the holidays doing every little thing myself, answering yeah. every email, sending every order, and I get, I survive into January, And I think to myself, I can never let that happen again. I need yeah. to start hiring people like right now. So I post a job on Facebook and this guy in my business law class messages me. He says, I don't know what you do. I need a job. I don't even interview him. I just say you're hired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need you so badly. <laughs> I, I needed help. And he ends up being this unbelievable hire. He's hardworking. He's smart. He's actually my business partner today with free up. We've been working together for like eight, nine years now. No so way. I just hit jackpot right from the beginning. Yeah. But there I am at, as this punk 20 year old kid thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job on Facebook. Someone shows up, they do good work. They make you more money. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after mm. bad hire, costing myself thousands of dollars, lots of time, lots of energy. And I quickly learned that hiring people in person when you're 20, 21 is really tough. So I moved to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and yep. I got pretty good at it. I hired some people that are still with me today, but I just hated the process. I hated how long it took me to post a job, get 100 applicants, interview them one by one with, with very little protection on the back end. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had the idea to, to build my own platform, FreeUp. So that, that's kind of the short version of how I went from a broke college kid to starting Amazon to having the idea to building my own freelancer marketplace. Uh, this is uh, awesome and insane at the same time. I mean, just I can imagine like you going to college and uh, starting this business and fulfilling everything yourself. Uh, I mean, um, it brings me back to the moment where I was starting my business and I was working uh, like full time and running my business uh, d during the days off and the evenings and uh, it's insane but I found that the people that have this kind of drive that don't bitch and moan about uh, about it uh, they are the people that actually make it because that's what it takes from the very beginning to create something uh, successful so uh, a lot of our listeners uh, are um, uh, one man band uh, and then we have uh, also other listeners that they are now have a team and they're growing and scaling up uh, what i would love to know is uh, um, in terms of your personal experience uh, before we go into a bit more technicalities in, in your personal experience uh, you mentioned that uh, um, the the hiring process sucked and uh, you you made bad hire after bad hire after bad hire so in your in your experience what were uh, why were these hires bad or what was missing for them to be a good hire so we can go back in that point Yeah. So, I mean, it started off that I just didn't have a hiring process at all. Right. I was 2021. I didn't know that you had to build out like systems and interview questions and, and what mm. even to look for in a hire. I thought, hey, if, if someone needed work and I had work to do that, I would match them up and, and it would work out well. And, and obviously, over time, I realized that wasn't the case. And I had to actually sit down and create a process for it. 
I mean, here, yeah. here's where we're going to post jobs. Here is the questions that we're going to ask. Here are the answers to those questions that we're looking for. Here's how we set expectations before the hire. And here's how we evaluate that quickly afterwards so that we don't find out if they're a bad hire in three months. We find out if they're a bad hire in the, in the first week or two and, and save yourself time. But the biggest thing that happened was I started hiring people just for skill. Someone would have five years of experience, they'd have a great track record, they'd have, they'd know the, the programming language that I need, whatever it was. And then two months later, it would blow up in my face and, and I'd be wondering like, how is this person who's so talented, who has such a high skill set, such a bad fit? And, and that's when I realized it was because I was only vetting for skill. And skill is just one part of the equation. When it comes to skill, they can be a, a 10 out of 10, a three out of 10, a five out of 10. You don't care as long as they're honest about what they can and cannot do and, and they're priced accordingly. But the other two factors are the attitude and the communication. I was hiring people with a bad attitude who, mm -hmm. who weren't passionate about what they were doing. They were just in it for the paycheck. They would take feedback personally. They'd get aggressive if, if things didn't go their way. So attitude is a huge thing that we vet for before we get on the free up platform. And, and that's because I realized how important it was back in the day. And the last thing is communication. I mean, yeah. if you if I hire someone and they have a great attitude and a great skill set, but we can't communicate on a day to day basis, it's not going to work out. The skill and the attitude don't matter. So for mm -hmm. communication, we wanted people who could respond within a business day, who could get on the same page with the scope, who could hit a due date that they set, who could inform us about emergencies and personal issues in, in a professional way. So for, for me, it's about that combination of skill, attitude, and communication. And it's very rare when you find someone who has all three and they yes. still end up being a bad hire. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, we had, um, uh, like last year, we went from uh, four to 15 people, actually from four to 14 people last year, and then we hired a 15 one this year. But uh, it has been, uh, let's say, uh, interesting, <laughs> grueling, <laughs> and incredibly intense experience, uh, because uh, it was the first time that we were hiring. And uh, so uh, we had some good fit, we had uh, some uh, very bad fit, but uh, we learned uh, the, the process. And uh, I can vouch how important it is to have these three aspects, the communication and the, the skills and, uh, and, the, and the personality and the fit, because if the the people are not uh, been uh, it becomes a pain in the ass to work with them as human beings it doesn't matter how great they are they just can drive your business down and make the entire experience miserable um i have a curiosity now you mentioned that your first business that they wanted to cough uh, was uh, selling baby products and then uh, you started free up did you there was something else in between or was that baby product to free up uh, it was baby product to free up. So to put it in perspective, I mean, our, our Amazon business, we got it to over $5 million a year. And and back mm -hmm. then, I mean, it was the wild, wild west. There was very little competition. You could list anything on Amazon and it would sell. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, I wasn't selling my own products. It's not like I had a patent on my baby products or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really passionate about the products. And, and when you're growing an Amazon business and you're not selling your own products, your own brand, you're really not building a business. You're just building an Amazon business and you're very reliant on Amazon. Amazon can shut you down at any time. They can change their algorithm. Mm -hmm. So what happened was we were going, we were doing over $5 million a year. All of a sudden, these competitors, these courses, these gurus start coming out. Our sales go to two to three million. So we're still making money, but we're not really growing anymore. We're not building, we're not selling products yeah. that we're passionate about. So 
it gets old really fast when you're just in the business that's kind of going up a little bit one year, down a little the next year. You're not really growing. You're not building a brand. No one knows who you are. You're just kind of behind the scenes on Amazon. So when I started free up on the side and and that quickly took off and blew my Amazon sales out of the water, it became a very easy decision to focus on that. And we transferred that business to one of our partners and Connor and I focused just on free up. That makes perfect sense. Um, and I uh, also have one more question regarding uh, some horror stories uh, that you had because of bad hires. Because uh, I can tell you there are some things that happen that hurt people, things that happen to me personally that uh, they leave some very deep scars, uh, if on you or in the business. So um, do you have something in mind or an episode or a person that uh, was a bad hire and that uh, was a horror story? Yeah, so we wanted to build our own Amazon software. Again, this was years before a lot of the, we free out partners with a lot of Amazon software companies. These didn't exist back in the day. So right. we wanted to build our own software to do inventory, to do repricing. And we spent a lot of time interviewing developers and we, we finally found one that we liked it. And we spent a lot of time creating a scope. I mean, we're talking months, maybe two and a half, three months of going through everything, exactly what we want, making sure that he knew the right mm -hmm. coding language, have him doing some, some tests, some trials. He was remote, he was in England, and we thought we had this awesome fit. We were ready to go. We were about to start this main big project, and we walk into the office that day, we, we log on to Skype, and we're supposed to start at 9 a.m., and he's nowhere to be found. And hours go by, he's not there. The next day, he's not there. The day after that, he's not there. Completely disappeared, never heard from them again. Months of work just down the drain. Did you, did you so, pay him at that point? So do you already pay him, or...? No, we hadn't paid him. We probably paid him like a little bit for the trials and stuff, but right. it was more, it was less about the money. It, it's the time. Hiring, it's yeah, always yeah, less yeah. about the money. It's more about the time that you waste when, when you're dealing with it. I mean, that was sure. hours of not just my time, but my business partner's time, but my team's time of all the, all the people we went through interviewing. Those are tons of hours that we could just never get back. And we never even found out what happened to him. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, um, yeah, I can, I can resonate with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, the reason why I asked it because sometimes you pay up front and then they disappear. Uh, so uh, on top of the time expense, you have also the financial expense. Um, but it is, um, and that's why it's so important to have a very strong hiring process and uh, being, and do the best you can. Of course, you can control people actions, uh, whether they are the best people or the worst people, you cannot control their action, but you can protect yourself. You can have systems and processes in place to protect yourself. So now I want to know, uh, in, uh, the reason for there are some people here that might thinking about uh, doing their first hire, and uh, they might not know if uh, getting someone full time, if getting a freelancer, uh, a contractor, maybe from another countries. So can you just uh, explain a bit more the difference of when is a good fit to hire a freelancer, or when is actually a good fit to think about not now I need someone full time in my business. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to divide it up into three different types of people you can hire: the the followers, the doers, and the experts. So right, the followers fine. think five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US, maybe virtual assistant in the Philippines. You can hire someone with years of experience, especially if you get them on my platform, because we're not a marketplace for newbies. But at the end of the day, they're followers. If you hire someone for customer service and I hire someone for customer service, that you're, the way you do it is gonna be different than the way that I do it. Mm -hmm. And those people tend to be a little bit more longer term. Maybe they're 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week, five hours a week, whatever it is. Um, but they're there to follow your systems, your processes, and to really get your hours in the day back so you yeah. can focus on sales, expansion, marketing, higher level tasks. 
Then you got the doers. These are more project-based. They can be a little bit more on call or one time or here and there. And, and they're, they're there to do specific tasks. They might be graphic designers, bookkeepers, writers. Mm-hmm. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're, they do the same thing 10 hours a day. And then yeah. you got the experts, the high-level freelancers, the consultants, the agencies. They're bringing their own strategy, their own expertise to the table. And you, you're hiring them to come in and do something that, that you're not good at to actually execute. And those can be more bigger projects. They can be smaller. And, and, and so what you need to figure out is are you looking for the follower, the doer, or the expert? And then also what, what is your budget? I mean before you even start hiring, mm-hmm. I recommend looking at how much money you made last month and figuring out – how aggressive do you want to be? If you're going to build that empire and you want to reinvest in people, maybe you're investing 40, 50, 60% of your profits back into hiring. And if you're more conservative and, and I end up being usually around 30%, um, but you can be in that 10 to 30 range and you can always go mm-hmm. up 5% or down 5% the next month and tweak it, but figure out what that budget is and then figure out, hey, are you stuck inside the day-to-day operations? Do you have projects that you will need to take off your plate or are you taking on something that you need an expert with and then allocate that money accordingly and that should give you a good idea of whether you need people short-term or or long-term. Now, uh, when is it, so you mentioned in terms of budgeting, there is sometimes a catch-22 where there are some people that might run a business, the business is not making enough money, but the reason why it's not making enough money is also because they're doing everything themselves. So it's like the the question of the chicken or the egg. Do you wait up until you have the right money and the right budget in your bank account to hire, or do you gamble a bit and uh, get the help and support? Where do you stand uh, in, in the spectrum? Right. So you're, you're never going to get it exactly right. You're either going to hire people too early or too late. The, the, right. Figuring out the exact day, the exact second <laughs> that you're going to hire people, that, like that doesn't exist when you're an entrepreneur. So yeah. then it just becomes, do you want to lean more on the late side or more on the early side? I tend to lean more on the early side. I mean, obviously, if you're making no money and you're in debt and you've got tons of bills and, and you can't afford to hire someone, you can't afford to hire someone. But within reason, if you're going to have to hire this person anyway, Anyway, it's in your best interest to usually hire them a little earlier than when you need them to when it's too late. There's a lot of opportunity cost that, that's there if you do that or lost if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also you can uh, as well, you can decide to um, maybe just start small. I mean, uh, you can, uh, you, you talked about followers at the beginning and um, uh, you can find some virtual assistants that can help you out. Just taking some of the, uh, the repetitive tasks that you're doing that are not making you any money, but they are necessary for the business to run and that with a simple explanation, someone can do them. And I, I remember when I started my business, uh, I didn't have much money and uh, I hired a virtual assistant, which uh, is uh, still with us, Wang, after four and a half years. Now he's full-time with us, actually five years now. Uh, he's full-time and uh, is now a pro- operation manager. But he started as a ten hour with ten hours a week. And we hired her for the from the Philippines. Started from ten hours a week, and that was the starting point. And then we moved her to twenty hours a week, and then to forty hours a week, and then becoming full time for us. So you can start with a small budget. There is, I think, a myth of I need to have all this amount of money, or I need to hiring someone is super expensive, which is actually. Not true, depending if you hire, again, a follower, a doer, or, or an expert. So very good extension. I really like that. 
Um, I want I want to talk now about uh, the um, uh, what do you look so you mentioned already what do you look for before you hire a person is can you expand a bit more on that to make sure that we hire uh, the right people because every company is different every person's needs are different so identifying actually what kind of people do I need right now in my business can be very overwhelming and very confusing so what are your recommendations on that? Yeah, so we mentioned, we talked about the skill, the attitude, and the communication. Yeah. I like to surround myself with people that have the same core values, the same beliefs. I mean, I'm very customer-centric focused. I believe in, in honoring my word. If I tell a partner or a client or if I tell you today that I'm showing up for this podcast, I'm showing up for this podcast. And if people don't have the same values, that, that's a, a deal breaker right there. But if they have the same values, I want them to have completely different skill sets than me. I mean, one of the reasons Connor, my business partner, and I work so well together is we have the same values, we want the same things, we believe in doing business the same way, but we couldn't be differenter in terms of, of skill set. I mean, he's much more, he's a better writer, he's a better developer, I'm much more of the sales and the, and the face and the systems and the processes, and when I hire someone to do bookkeeping, I want them to have the same values but be a way better bookkeeper than I am. So that's one of the things I look for. I also like to surround myself with people that can work in my pace because if you're an entrepreneur, you have a certain ways that, that you like to communicate, that you like to get things done. I mean, you can tell I talk fast. I'm usually direct to the point. I, I, like, the, I like to work with people that can move at my speed, that don't mm -hmm. take things personally, that, that they don't need to be warm and fuzzy, although I build great relationships and culture. At some point, it's about getting stuff done. So yeah. if you surround me with people that, that can't, that move slow and that are warm and fuzzy, they might not be the right person for me, even though they check all the other boxes. So part of it is understanding yourself and the type of people that you want to work with, knowing what your values and what your beliefs are, and then knowing what your weaknesses are. I mean, one of the best activities I do with Connor and I um, every quarter is we sit down and we say, hey, what are we doing that we're just not good at? Because the average entrepreneur is only good at one to three things. And yeah. we wear a lot of different hats so you find yourself working on all these projects that you're not really good at. And if you can afford it and, and you have room in that budget, you want to hire specialists and experts to turn those weaknesses into strengths. So that's really what I look for in hiring. And uh, in terms of your personal uh, strength, uh, what are you the one, that, the, the one to three thing that you are really, really good at? I'm good at problem solving and systems and off of that um, sales and customer service. To me that if you can problem solve and you can um, you, you have that mentality of serving people, you can do that that customer service and that sales. In my case, it's being more of the face. I'm not really like hard selling people. I'm not like hire this person right now. Yeah, yeah. It's more it's more about like becoming the face going on podcasts with you, sharing our message, telling people about free up, answering their questions. And, and, and I, I work in, in an imperfect industry, right? I mean, 99% of the time, the freelancers on our platform do an amazing job. They make me look good. They make free up look good. And there's always going to be that 1%. And it's, it's not the, I mean, we haven't come across sure. it, but it's usually not some huge issue where someone like stole something. It's usually like, Hey, you have a client, you have a freelancer and, and their personalities don't work well. And we need to jump in and, and create a, a solution that's fair to both sides that, that treats both of them well and and we can all move forward so the ability to do that quickly and make people feel like they're taking care of i think is a, a good skill set of mine that's perfect and in terms of the um uh, your business when uh, i how do we identify 
if uh, someone now is at um, actually no um when someone if someone is starting out i'm gonna ask the, the other question later but uh, if someone is starting out who do you think their very first hire should be like someone is starting out their business is their very first hire and from your experience uh, which one should it be <laughs> this is my least favorite question it, it, it's <laughs> why so- because it's just impossible to answer. I mean, we, we right. work with people that are doing 100 million a year, people who have never sold anything before in different industries. They all have different budgets. And even me, if I got on the phone with someone for 30 minutes for an hour and learn about their business, I still don't know enough to, to make that, that, that information. I mean, what you have to figure out is, are you someone that's stuck in the day-to-day operations of your business? Are you someone that has all these projects building up that you're not good at? Are you someone that's taking on something like, Facebook ads or building a website and and you just have no idea and yes, you could spend the next six months becoming a Facebook ad expert and taking every course out there, but that's not a good use of your time and you can't do that for every single part of your business. So for for me, you have to identify that first and if you're someone stuck in the day-to-day operations of your business, you need to hire a VA, you need to hire an assistant, you need to get your hours back. If you're someone where those projects are building up, you need to identify what projects have the fastest ROI and you need to hire specialists to do those projects first. And if you're someone that's taking on something that you're not good at, like marketing or UI, UX, whatever it is, you need to figure out, hey, how important is this to my business? Can I afford to do it right? Because the last thing you want to do is cut costs on the, on the highest level people. And, and if that's the case, then you proceed forward with those experts. Uh, so going uh, going to the to free up, I'm I'm curious about to know um, how is a free up different from uh, other platforms? You know, you have Fiverr, you have Upwork, uh, you have uh, every single like VA company, outsourcing company that is out there. Uh, how are you guys different? Yeah, so I really tried to take everything that, that I liked about the other platforms and change everything I didn't like. So with us, we get thousands of applicants every week. These are virtual assistants, freelancers, agencies from all over the world. We vet them for skill, attitude, and communication, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. The top 1%, one out of every 100, get on our platform. And as a client, you get fast access to them. It's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee. There's no minimums. It's in our best interest to get you people you actually like that help you grow your business. You put in a request, we fill it with one person by default. Most people come to us because they don't want to meet 20 people, but if you say send me three, send me five, we're happy to do it. You can meet with them, interview them, make sure you like them. If you like them, you can hire them, negotiate rate, agree to fixed price. The the freelancers set their own rates, so whatever you want to do. If you don't like them, you click pass and provide us feedback and we get you someone else based on that feedback. So it's a very fast and efficient process up front. On the back end, we have 24-7 support in case you have even the smallest issue. My calendar, my assistant's calendar is right at the top of the website. We're always there. And we have a no turnover guarantee where freelancers quit for any reason, which rarely happens, but of course it's real life. Mm -hmm. We cover all replacement costs and get you a new person right away. So that's what we're all about, the speed, the customer service, and the protection. I really like it in particular because um, when you're hiring, in particular if you're hiring remote, then uh, you know that you are giving all your details, all your data, some very sensitive information about your business um, to someone else. And uh, if they run away <laughs> with those information or even if they misuse them uh, or they lock you out from their account, uh, 
then uh, there are big problems for your business. I've seen businesses going down for that. And that's why the security is so important. Um, I'm curious to know, do you guys, uh, do you have like a smart algorithm to help the first process of matching uh, the request with the candidate or is something that uh, like a recruitment agency would do, would be like more uh, manual and saying, okay, I know this person, this would be the perfect fit. Or is that a mixture of both? How does it work in the back end? Yeah. So let me address both of those things. The, the, the first thing on risk, I mean, there, there's always going to be a risk, right? There's nothing that you or me or anyone else can do to, to make that risk zero. Being an entrepreneur is risky. Hiring is risky, yeah. but hiring is the only way to scale. If you want to scale your business at some point, you have to hire. There's very few $5 million a year solo entrepreneurs out there. It really just doesn't exist. So it, on our platform, I mean, it's really tough to get in. Once the freelancers are in, they care a lot more about staying in and getting more clients from me and, and keeping you as a client than they do about stealing or jeopardizing. Because it's more selective. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, yes, there, there's always a chance. That, and even if you hire your best friend to sit right next to you, there's always a chance they do something stupid or, or jeopardize your business in, in, in some way. But yeah. I mean, we built 16,000 plus hours every week. Knock on wood, we've never had anything happen. I'm sure if we build enough hours, eventually something will happen. That's just real life. But the chances are a lot smaller than people think. And you can do everything to protect yourself. I mean, give people more and more information over time. Use LastPass, change your, your mm -hmm. passwords when you stop working with someone. Um, you, you can even have people sign NDAs, although are you really gonna chase someone across the Philippines yeah. over a piece of paper? Probably not. But the number one way to really protect your business that so many people overlook is to build relationships with the people that you work with. If you build genuine relationships, and I've had people that I fired, I've had people who have quit on me, but we had a relationship and they didn't want to hurt me. I didn't want to hurt them. And there's no substitute for that. Every single protection, every single software protection, paper protection yeah. is no is no feat against that relationship. That's the most important thing. Um, in, in terms of the vetting, we're not a recruiting company. We don't have some crazy algorithm that matches like the client's personality to the freelancers. What I will say is it, it, it's a three-step process. So first of all, we, we vet people before they even get on our platform. So we only let the best of the best on. Mm -hmm. Second, we set that expectation that you should only take on projects that you can do at a very high level and that you can commit to. If you drop clients in the middle of a project, if you take on projects you can't do at a high level, we remove you from our platform very, very quickly. So mm -hmm. that, that expectation kind of self-regulates itself because it's so tough to get in. Once they're in, we're bringing clients to them. The yeah, last yeah. thing they want to do is get kicked off our platform after all of that. So there's a certain self-regulation in that. But then there's my team as well. So we're there to make sure that a graphic designer isn't taking a bookkeeping ticket and that people that get complaints don't get more clients and that we, if someone puts in the request, hey, I need someone that can only work Eastern time, that we make sure that the person we introduce can work Eastern time. So it, it's almost like three different parts that go together to make it to really increase the percentage of you making a good hire. That's Top man, I like I like the process. I like how it works. So, um, what are the top skills that uh, people come on free up to to hire for? Because you know, I think every platform has almost like the if. Uh, if not the niche, but you will find that there are some people that will come to you more uh, for. Uh, so, what are the things that people ask you the most to 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 help to get help in their business in terms of hiring? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we have over 100 skill sets on our platform. Um, I mean, everything like lower level would be customer service, data entry, lead generation. Um, I mean, we have people that will hire an Amazon VA that's a, that's a follower, a social media VA. But in the mid-level, you've got the writers, the bookkeepers, the, the graphic designers, the web developers. But is is that something in particular? I understand it. There is, there is a lot. But if you have to look at uh, which ones are people hiring the most, uh, is that uh, they just hire or do you have something specific that people go for the most? Yeah, I mean, there's not one thing. I mean, if you right. look at the requests we get every day, that they're all over the place with, with no rhyme, no reason. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're very careful to only add skill sets to our platform that we can vet at a high level and, and can offer those services to our clients. So intentionally, we don't just want to be a place for Amazon VAs. I mean, right. we have over 100 skill sets that are all high level that, that people can hire for. All right, that's cool, man. So before we go to the lifting the veil part, I got one last question because you mentioned about building relationship and uh, how important it is to build relationship with uh, the people in your team. Now, building relationship is much easier if you have an office and you have people coming and work with you, um, but in the remote uh, working, uh, is uh, way more difficult because uh, there is, uh, first of all, there might be time differences, there might be uh, definitely like the point of contact might be like a Zoom call or a Skype call or a Slack channel or, or, or whatever. So how do you ensure that you can build solid relationship when you don't meet people in person? Do you have a system or something that you recommend? Yeah. So back in the day, I actually opened up an office and I found that it was actually harder in person. It led to more drama. It led to a lot of other things that, that I didn't really like. I mean, for me, it, it's about the effort. And, and I can usually tell when clients are making an effort. If, if I have a VA and, and, and we've had clients where they'll hire three different people and the three different people have never talked to each other, but they all have the same complaints about that same client. And usually you can tell that the client has really made no effort. Every once in a while, they'll fire off an email. They'll say, hey, get this done right now. Like, and, and they'll They'll, they'll talk down to them when they make a mistake. That's not making an effort. The thing is to actually have meetings, actually have conversations, actually understand what motivates the people that you're working with. Everyone cares about different things. They might care about providing for their family and making money. They might care about the title that they're given. They might care about, hopefully you find people that really believe in your business and they want to see that succeed or people that, that care about the project or the task. I mean, we have graph designers who love graph design. They love the creativity and, and that's really what motivates them. So if you haven't taken the time to actually meet and figure out what people care about, then then you're, you're really going to struggle to build those relationships. So for me, that's step one. And once you understand what motivates people and what people like, then you can tailor your future conversations to address that, make them feel appreciated, make them feel like you're working towards that. And that's going to lead to a relationship over time. Yeah. And do you also recommend like a frequency of a call? Like, do you mainly do like communication by email? Um, do you recommend video calls um, uh, or like regular team trainings or regular update? How do you gel a team that uh, maybe you have a lot of remote people? Because uh, everyone, uh, you have the interpersonal relationship between you, the founder, or the HR person in your business, whatever, with the team members. But also you have now the interrelationships between the team members that are equally as important. So how do you facilitate that? 
Yeah, so I mean, I like to personally meet with people more up front and then lower as you go, as you build trust, as you as they get more involved in what they're doing. I like to keep everything in writing, especially when I'm dealing with people internationally where videos might cut in and out or things might get lost in translation or just forgotten. I, I keep everything on Skype. I know you and I are on Skype right now, but I don't even do video calls. I have group chats. So we have a Monday morning meeting. It's all in a group chat. If someone misses a meeting, they can go in, they can read all the messages. If someone forgets right. something three days later, they can go back if people are reading it and they don't understand it they can ask questions and everything is clearly laid out in writing now for other things i'll I'll send over voice messages i'll use voxer and stuff like that if i'm Mm -hmm. if i'm really busy but the more that you can get in writing the better and and for me it's about figuring out what are the two to three communication channels and what are you actually using them for for email, I'm sending something that I don't care as long as you get it done within a few hours of you working. It's not urgent. For Skype messages, it's usually right away or we're having a meeting right there on Skype. And for Viber or WhatsApp or phone calls, those are more for urgent. If our software goes down, I'm going to send a Viber message to, to mm-hmm. my developers, but I'm not going to bother them on the weekend sending them Viber messages and yeah. pull up their phone if, if it's not important. So for me, it's about establishing those communication channels and how each one is used. Top man, thank you for uh, for the insight here. Uh, now let's move to the lifting the veil part, which is the last part of the show, uh, where I ask my guest uh, uh, what uh, ch- uh, what uh, tools, app, software, habit, uh, something that makes uh, that they use that makes their life or business easier. So, what's that for you? For me, I love this app called Yet Another Mail Merge. I use it to email clients, to email freelancers, to, to send email blasts. It's pretty easy to use. I have no affiliation with them. It's pretty affordable as well. But it, it, all, it also allows you to send customized emails out. I mean, it, 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 I don't use them for like my email marketing. I use MailChimp for that. But I'll use them for, for check-ins or for sending out some mass email. Let's say our, our, our project board is overflowing with projects. We might send an email out to all thousands of freelancers saying, hey, can everyone just check the board and see if you can take on any projects? We'd really appreciate it and allows us to do it quickly and customize each email with their name and stuff like that. So I recommend checking that out if you haven't already. Yet another mail merge. I think I used it uh, actually a few years ago and I absolutely loved it. So uh, just out of curiosity, why don't you use your CRM also with this type of communication and do you use uh, um, this this different system? Is there another benefit to this uh, that your normal CRM system couldn't do with an appropriate tag? Yeah, I mean, I so I do use my system for, for like standard updates. Someone will get an email when they hired someone or when we right. fill the ticket, stuff like that. This is more for, for like quick blasts, quick follow-ups. Like I like to check in with clients um, over time. Um, you could probably use another CRM too. I'm sure that there there is there, but this is just a, a quick way to send emails to lots of different people and, and customize it without using the CRM. Yeah, um, uh, what I found as well by using the system is that uh, it will not go um, because it, it is basically used through Gmail and uh, it will is less likely to go in the promotional folder or in Agreed. the social media folder and more likely to go into the um, uh, normal, uh, the primary folder of Gmail or the primary folder of other inbox systems because it's uh, directly sent from your Gmail account. Um, so the chances that they are going to see it is way higher. 
now the the challenge on the other side is that make sure you don't use it too for promotional messages like you did because then it means that your primary email account now gets flagged <laughs> so that, 100%. I, I wouldn't use it for like cold outreach exactly please don't 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 but it's a great system we're gonna put this the um, link in the show notes so you can uh, you, you guys can uh, can get it out all right nathan it's been an absolute pleasure having you here tell us a bit more about how can people reach out to you find you uh work with you on free up uh, uh T- tell us tell us what, what you have for us. Yes, yeah, so we have a Facebook group called Outsourcing Masters. We'd love to have you in there. We post a lot of great content to help people hire remote better. If you go to freeup.com, that's free up with three E's. My calendar, my team's calendar is right at the top. We'd love to meet with you about we can how we can help your business. You can create a, a free free up account. Mention this podcast, get a $25 credit to try us out. That's $25 you can use towards VAs, freelancers, agencies, whatever you need. And and I look forward to helping you and, and thanks so much for having me on. Uh, that's brilliant. So, guys, we're going to put the link in the, of the Facebook group and also the links of all social media and the website of FreeUp uh, here in the show notes. So, make sure right now you scroll down and connect with Nathan, connect with FreeUp because it's um, uh, growing your business without without staff, without people in your business, you will never be able to grow uh, to the level that you want. Uh, we talked a lot about the journey from expert to authority and uh, getting your team right is an important crucial part of this journey so make sure you check out free up nathan it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for being on explode your expert business show thank you all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening and thank you for watching if you're watching uh, make sure that you subscribe to the show if you haven't subscribed yet click the juicy button i know it's calling you yes subscribe right now and then i'm looking forward to seeing you to the next episode and remember that together we grow exponentially ciao Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.